my name is Justin Smoot, and my uh, friends and I are big fans of the show, and this week we are convening the first annual Epic Summit of Awesome Awesomeness in Star Wars, a four-day straight weekend of Star Wars role-playing and other board games, all inspired by you guys and Sam Whitworth. Thanks a lot. And here's a liner. My name is Justin Smoot, Quill Toss on the forums, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Hi, this is Darth Draconis, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast, because quite frankly, if I did, I would have left the liner like three years ago when it started. Not that I know when the show started, because I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Execute Order 66. Coming at you live on Ustream and by podcast at d20radio.com. This is the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by mapsofmastery.com. Good morning, this is February the 20th, 2011, and you are back for episode number 129 of the Order 66 podcast, a glorious Sunday morning here in Dallas, Texas. My name's GM Dave, and uh, we've got a great show in store for you tonight with some stuff and some stuff, and then we're going to top it off with some more stuff. Yeah. And then that dude right there is going to be like... The it's cherry, me. the <clears throat> cherry on the top of the Sunday of life. <laughs> GM Chris, wow. I've never been given that appellation before. Well, it's me, a GMC. Uh, what is up, Gamer Nation? I am tired. <laughs> You're delirious. No, not quite. I'm just very, very tired. I have a very sick baby in the house, and she's kept us up all night, past several nights, and. It's been the joys of parenthood. Yep. Ain't that grand. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> but I am excited because this is my respite, my reprieve. My beautiful wife is watching the sick child and has given me rain for several hours to do this. And what is this? This is, of course, the Order 66 podcast, the only, soon to be, not only, but currently only podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role playing. Yeah. Oh, man. How you been, man? Uh, good. I'm tired for different reasons than you, but I'm tired. Yeah? Yep. So we're just two tired men. Just two tired guys. Sitting around talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, is... yes. I mean, this is this is the life, is it not? This is, this is, the, this is the life. This, we're living the dream, man. We are. Those of you in the chat room are going to get a... Uh, a taste of what is about to go up as my Facebook profile picture because, um, you know, living the life of, of Star Wars and things of that nature. Every once in a while, an opportunity presents itself to do something funny. And once I put it up as my Star Wars, as my, uh, I don't know if you can see it or not. Hopefully you can. 
Hopefully, the screen transfers well. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yep, it's Yoda wearing a Titleist baseball cap, a basketball uh, golf cap. You see now, as what which, which sport? Uh, now, seeing as how I I am not a a golfing enthusiast, and, and you are. Um, you know, I, I've never actually been on uh, a golf course to actually golf, aside from putt putt. Um, uh, for the longest time, I, I thought I thought it it was titliest, titliest, titliest. The titliest. What was the name of that brand? Yeah, I call it. I, I find it to be a rather unfortunate name. Titliest, titliest. Yeah, titliest. I call them. It, I, it uh, is how it is spelled. Of course, before I started using Titleist golf balls, um, I hated Titleist. Because they're like the Notre Dame of golf, you know everybody uses it, uh, and so I became became a Max Fly guy. I was using all the Max Fly uh, balls, and and um, and then once I got that, once I got fairly uh, Max Fly, <laughs> that's not bad. I I, I like Max Fly. It was kind of cool. Misinterpreted. Yeah, and uh, you know back in the day, uh, you know I was a pretty decent little golfer, and so I played you know high school golf and a little bit of college golf and. And uh, going through that, you just realize, unfortunately, that Titleist really was all that and had to use it. So it was, was it all uh, that and a bag of chips? Yeah. So if you look up on the top of my, I've got three boxes of Titleists that are sitting up there waiting in reserve if I need golf balls. But One of these days, I'm just going to go down to a pawn shop, spend like, you know, 60 bucks and get a set of golf clubs. And I'm going to have you take me out to the course and teach me how to golf. Yeah, a little driving range action. That'd be kind of cool. Yes. That yeah. would be, that would be, I understand it's also very good for the aggression. Well, sort of. <laughs> it's, it's controlled aggression. Ah. Yes. Ah, got it. Speaking of controlled aggression. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisition. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Barely controlled aggression. <laughs> yeah. Oh, heavens. Announcements! Yay! Yay. It's going to be a weird show. Do we have a featured podcast this week? No, we don't. All of our podcasts have pod faded. The D20 Radio Network is now the D1 Network. Oh, negative Nancy. That's not true. How can you say that when Game On comes back? Oh, yeah. Never mind. We have you know, lots we have, of good podcasts. We have podcasts. a host of shows that have just released new episodes. Oh, yes. And we have new, new shows. In fact, we have this one. We talked about briefly last week. But we are indeed proud to welcome our newest member, an established gaming podcast called Nerdbound. Yeah. It's a live play RPG podcasting group. And they're knee deep in Dark Sun. Mm. And recording it all for our lovely listening pleasure. And so their episode number 75, entitled Dark Sun Campaign Hysterical Reenactment Part 2 of 3. <laughs> 
debutted this week. Nice. And um, so take a listen and, and watch the uh, or listen to the group continue their fourth uh, edition game, Dark Sun, and we get to uh, listen in as uh, this crazy DM, Jason, attempts to uh, TPK the group with a Tremors-style sandworm. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, not as cool as Dune. But you know, hey. oh, so that's that's a different kind of sandworm. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, there's one. It's like you know, oh, it's on the ground. It's coming to get you. Yeah. And there's one. It's like you know, it just destroyed a city. Badass. Yeah, exactly. Spice must flow. <sighs> Could he be the one? <laughs> the Quitzak Adarak. Anyway, if you guys want to hear some good 4E live play. Dark Sun play in action. Check it out. It's entertaining and informative. Yeah. It's nerdbound. And you'll find this and other great podcasts on the D20 Radio Network at d20radio.com. A freaking men. The juicy bits of web goodness. Um, Sterling Hershey returns this week to, with utter gold that makes our hearts go a pit a patta in this week's installment of Star Wars Wednesdays. So basically, Dave, I don't know if you've been watching um, any of the recent episodes of the Clone Wars cartoon, but no. um, they just wrapped up the, uh, the the third and final installment of this Mortis trilogy. Um, and yay, Sam Witwer, of course, for those who probably all know right now, uh, voices Mortis, um, the dark side spirit kind of, you, I'm not going to give it away, you watch it. Um, but in this third episode, something really cool happened. A new piece of technology came out uh, that none of us had ever seen before. And Sterling decided to take this cool piece of technology from the episode and stat it out for us. The Jedi Jump Bike is a collapsible speeder. Easy to travel with and to transport. Low on frills, low on comfort, but it provides a quick, cheap, lightweight option for any character needing to get from point A to point B without using the speed of plot. Um, Sterling stats up this awesome vehicle for both Saga Edition and WEG D6 for the old schoolers. Find the Jedi Jump Bike and and, and oh so much more right now at www.sterlinghershey.com. Or um, just like 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 wait just a little bit longer like on this episode and be like well, wink wink nudge nudge say no more huh huh huh. Hmm. Hey, what do you know? Hey. Hmm. <laughs> well. I have a any more any more juicy web goodness? I have a question for you. Mm. Do you do you want to win some free stuff? Uh, yeah. Sure you do. Yeah, I do. Who doesn't? I don't know. Communists, that's who. Do Do you know who has free stuff? Um. Um. The no. Bruce City Gamers. I'll tell you. The Bruce. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. The BCGs have free stuff. That's Ooh, right. What? What what do they have? Well, they recently got a copy of Frontline General Spearpoint 1943 for review, which they did on their most recent episode, by the way. Good episode. So it's a cool uh, World War II battle card game from Collins' Epic War Games. Yeah. And it was opened, and it was played by the BCGs, and now they're spreading the love, offering their copy up. For raffle to the Gamer Nation. All you have to do is head to the D20 Radio Forums, access any board, and look for the global announcement. Uh, it's titled World War II Card Game Raffle. Post a reply listing a World War II movie, and you're in there, and you're in the raffle, baby. Ugh. 
deadlines right, March the fifth. Don't miss out. March fifth. Okay. March five. I already posted my World War II movie in there. So no one else can take it. <laughs> yeah. Das Boot. You ever see Das Boot? Of course. Great movie. Das Boot. Das Boot. Das Boot. Das Boot. Das Boot. And um, <clears throat> while you're at the forums, um, you know we haven't pimped this out in a little while. I think I think it deserves its due. Um, you know, head over to our main site, d20radio.com, and uh, click on the uh, Come to the Dark Side link. Uh, we have cookies. Because you, sir, can become a D20 Radio a partner. And uh, that's exciting stuff. What is a D20 Radio partner? A D20 Radio partner is someone who is committed to the health and well-being of this network and willing to support it uh, financially <laughs> for six ninety five a month. Well, that's nice, and that's fine, and hey, it's great you're supporting the network, but... We're not just going to leave you out in the cold like that. You're not just going to give us something and get nothing. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Thanks to the glorious, glorious magnanimity of our show sponsor, uh, Maps of Mastery, and Mr. Christopher West. As a D20 partner, every month you will receive an exclusive piece of swag directly from Maps of Mastery. A PDF of awesomeness. Pure awesomeness. Um, I mean, gosh, the... Basically, map tiles. And, Dave, I know, I know you sent out the ones for February at the start of the month, and those were awesome. It was like a submersible bay. Um, and that's, that's totally cool. Um, but Chris, uh, again, makes incredible, incredible work and is offering it free to uh, those who are partners of the 20 Radio Network. So sign up and have a ball. <laughs> Day 20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Welcome to the D20 docking bay, hosers. Mm-hmm. You post your questions, we answer your questions. And by post, we mean... Either post them in the forums, send them to us via PM, send them by email at, G, at gmdave at d20radio.com, gmchris at d20radio.com, or, 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 you may send it via the loser line. Area code 206-600-5872, or L-U-S-A. LUSA. Yup. Of course, I guess you could leave as a, as a Skype message if you really wanted to. Potentially, yes. Yeah, but... So we've got this thing hanging out there. This, you know, this thing. Okay. From GM Bo. Ah, okay. Um, he says, This may have been answered elsewhere. And if so, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Rule number one, never apologize. It's a sign of weakness, all right? That's, that's, a, that's a Gibbs rule right there. So quit. Never apologize. It's yeah. a sign of weakness. He says, but does damage dealt by force powers send a target down the condition track? Uh, yes. For example, in a game I'm running, a player used Mind Shard which, as a part of the force power, 
moves the target down the track. In addition, his damage was such that it was greater than the target's damage threshold. Does this indeed move the target two steps down the track? Uh, yes. Or only one? Uh, two. On one hand, I see that use the force is still a skill check, but on the other hand, it's an attack, practically speaking. Thanks. Well, that's a good question. It um, is No, it is a good question. It really is because it can be confusing. It, it can. Um, and, and good questions also always bear repeating. Um, now, as to the question, as Dave says, Bo, yeah. Damage from force powers can indeed move a target down the track. Despite the verbiage of condition track movement, which specifies damage from an attack, quote-unquote, it has been clarified many times by the developers that a force power, which you are correct, is not an attack, but a skill check, is still an attack-like action, and its damage will move the target down the CT if the damage beats their DT. Damage threshold. Huh? Um, <laughs> this is why powers like Force Lightning and Mind Shard are so great. You know, Force Lightning deals an insane amount of damage and moves the target down the condition track on its own, usually guaranteeing a two-step movement down the track, unless you, like, roll really badly on damage. Um, Mind Shard, page 28 of Jedi Academy Training Manual, is, is really, it's really Force Lightning light for those that aren't eager to gather dark side points. Um, deals a minimum of 2 die 8 damage, you know, or more, depending on the check. And also, you know, moves the target a separate step down the condition track. So it is totally conceivable to get minus 2 on the CT from one Force Power. That's right. So open up the PG-28 of the JATM to find your UTF check that can move the CT down the DT twice. Thank you, sir. Or something. I don't know. I'm in acronym purgatory. Sunday. Sunday. All right. <laughs> All right. So Vampire Vlad is the next Ugh. guy that comes up. It's kind of spooky. Yeah. I wonder if he's into Twilight. Maybe. I do, well, with Vampire Vlad, probably not. He might be into... Stoker. <laughs> maybe. But he might also be into being human. That would be entirely hopeful, mm. possible, probable. And all we right. all should be into being human. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Okay. So, he posted a question about some feats that are meant to enhance your beatdown ability. So, he writes this. <laughs> he said, okay. I was trying to get a few characters made for pregens for a one-shot. I'll be running, and I have a question. Good man. I noticed the mighty swing feat grants plus one die of damage for a cost of two swifts. And the rapid strike gives plus one die for a minus two attack. Does this mean that Rapid Strike doesn't require a full round action? Uh, you're absolutely correct, Vlad. It does not. Ha-ha. <laughs> There's a certain Wookiee called Salura that has both Mighty Swing and Rapid Strike. And you use them situationally as it comes up. Indeed. Um... And that's the point, man. You know, Rapid Strike is, is just simply a, a modification to any melee attack you make. And, you know, while the extra die of damage comes from a fluffy description of the character striking twice, there's only one attack roll, one attack mechanically. So all it needs is standard action. And just to clarify, Mighty Swing doesn't require a full round action. It requires two swifts before your standard to make the attack. I, I know, I know that, that that is a full round altogether, but but it is a distinction. Um... Because the full attack action, which requires a full round, is what happens when you make multiple attacks. Um, Mighty Swing, and Dave, you can really speak to this, man, because I know, I know your character kind of started out with Mighty Swing first. Um, a lot of people consider it very limiting because of the fact that you can't move. But I don't know, man, at low levels, it's, it's kind of an attractive option. It is, because the Rapid Strike is, is the minus two. Yeah. You know, for the attack, and... 
you know, I, I had both. I've had both for quite a while, but it's it's fun. It's fun to uh, to use that, and then if you, if you're able to, because it's not always possible for you not to have to move before you hit somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to be kind of in a engaged, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a certain GM that always withdraws. <laughs> because he knows that rapid strike and mighty swing is coming his way if he doesn't move. Potentially. Yeah. Well, that's why you picked up withdrawal strike. Because <laughs> 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 you got tired of it. But, you know, I mean, a lot of people scoff at the minus two for rapid strike. It's like, Ugh, because, you know, I mean, it, at you know, it's like, you know, who cares? It's a minus two. So what? You know, at first or second level, that can actually be a pretty big deal. Um. And you'll mighty swing, hey, no penalty. Now, it is also important to note, uh, Vampire, the reason those two feats really exist is because they don't stack. Um, you know, you can't rapid strike and mighty swing on the same attack. Um, that's actually called out in the description of mighty swing on page 86 of the core rulebook. So there was some discussion that came up with that on the forum. So F- F- FYI, for your information. Like totally. Like tele, huh? So we're back to Rikoshi. Hmm. Asking questions about a much-beloved scoundrel talent called Fool's Luck. So he says, can this be activated multiple times in an encounter to gain the different benefits that the talent provides with the proper expenditure of force points? Even the wording as per the official errata doesn't strictly state that it cannot be used this way, but I wasn't sure if there had been a ruling or not. And if there hasn't been, by the way, there won't be. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Yeah, just saying. Um, Not saying, just saying. And there hasn't been. Um, but this is, I don't think there needs to be. This is, this is a good question. Now, for those following along at home in their storybooks, uh, the Scoundrel's Fool's Luck Talent, page 46 of the core rulebook, has been a staple of Scoundrel characters since the game's inception. As a standard action, you spend a force point to activate it, and you gain your choice of three benefits. Plus one to all attack rolls for the rest of the encounter, or a plus one to all defenses for the rest of the encounter, or a plus five to all skill checks for the rest of the encounter. Now, while this is a versatile talent, which, uh, you know, at, at, at its face value is, wow, I can take this and, and get various benefits to fit the situation. When it first came out, it was most commonly used for only one thing, to make broken force users. <laughs> um, plus five to skill checks. Okay. <laughs> uh, until the errata released, uh, clarifying that these bonuses are competence bonuses, not luck bonuses, meaning they don't stack with skill focus for skill checks. Um, and of course, they don't stack with each other. Um, but yeah, man, you, Dave, I mean, you, you could conceivably activate the talent three times, each time choosing a different benefit. Oh, sure, why not? The talent doesn't have a once in encounter limitation. Um, so, you know, you could spend three rounds getting the plus one to attacks, plus one to defenses, then plus five to your skill checks. Is that broken? Nah. I mean, it's gonna, you're going to have to spend three turns on it without attacking anybody. Yeah, not to mention you're going to have to spend three force points. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, no, man, it seems perfectly fine to me. I'd let you do it if you wanted to do it. Sure. Sure. Be stupid. Go ahead. No, I, I don't, sometimes yeah, as it's Dave not, says, I know? don't think it's the wisest course of action. It's not, but, it, you know, hey. But, hey, yeah. All right, so uh, now we've got Barabels for the win. Oh, yes. So, um, this is kind of a meaty question. It's about a uh, a feat and a talent. So he's making an HK series droid. Mm-hmm. 
says, I'm taking the mechanical martial arts feat, which says that whenever I successfully damage an opponent, they take minus five to attacks and damage until my next turn. I was wondering how this feat would work with the unrelenting assault talent from the Clone Wars campaign guide, which allows a character who misses with a melee attack to still deal their strength bonus in damage. Does this mean that whenever I make a melee attack, my opponent will always take the penalty because he always takes damage uh, whether I hit or miss? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's cool. I mean, it says successfully damage an opponent. It doesn't say hit. You are correct. So rules lawyers, yeah. listen up. Yeah, Barabelle, this, this is a nasty, nasty combo that you've noticed. Um, now, for those following along, Barabelle is referring to the droid feat, Mechanical Martial Arts, page 24 of Scavenger's Guide to Droids. you got to be a droid. you got to have Martial Arts 1 and a BAB of plus 1 to take it. And honestly, that's really not too restrictive for any droid character. Um, it does indeed function as you say. When you damage a foe with an unarmed attack, the enemy suffers a minus 5 to melee attacks and damage until the start of your next turn. That's a pretty important distinction. Um, so he doesn't take any penalties to his ranged attacks. Right. Now, th that alone still is, is pretty darn nasty, um, considering that the right build could take that feat by second level or first level with some tricky reprogramming. Now, now add in the Soldier Talent Unrelenting Assault, page 26, Clone Wars Campaign Guide. And as you say, on Unrelenting Assault says that whenever you miss with a melee attack or the attack is negated, block, huh, you still deal your strength bonus in damage to the target. Um, and with a prerequisite of melee smash, which is pretty common for any martial artist slash melee fighter build, you can walk into that talent as early as third level. And yes, per raw, these two abilities would work together as you describe. You will always damage the foe with unrelenting assault, even if it's only for a few points. And assuming they don't have DR, GMs listen up, that's an easy way to overcome this. Um... And this means you're always going to give them that nasty minus five to melee attacks. Always. Now, now let's be clear. Dave, this is power gaming cheese of the smelliest of orders. Yeah, yeah, kind of is. Limburger, baby. Brie left in the sun for a week, okay? It reeks. Any GM, in my opinion, is within his rights to, to disallow this combo. I would. Personally, I, I would rule that, that you know, the intent of mechanical martial arts... Um, what would be if you hit the foe, not simply damage them. I would simply rewrite that uh, feat ever so slightly. But if your GM supports the full raw, the rules is written all the time, then you've got a nasty option here. I mean, heck, dude, pick up double attack and use the two-weapon fighting rules, which you can do unarmed. You've got two weapons or two fists, and you don't have <laughs> to take the, the dual-weapon fighting feats, okay? You, you don't. You can still make dual-weapon attacks. You just suffer a minus 10 to each one. So with double attack thrown in, you'll be attacking three times around at minus 15 to each attack. But who cares? You know, you miss. So what? You punch at three separate targets. You miss each time and you deal a measly few points of damage. But you put a minus five attack damage penalty on each foe for a round. That is combat control at its finest. Okay. Just remember, though, anything you can do, the GM can do better. <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better. So don't be surprised if the party Jedi comes up against this Jedi killer droid who at measly third level can throw minus fives at him every round regardless of how great his block check is. Just saying. <laughs> you may not want to open up this can of worms with your GM. 
Just throwing that out there. Uh-huh. Not saying, I'm just saying. Just saying. That's just the way it goes. All right, so speaking of the way it goes, we're going to stop down for about five minutes. For the Fet Rakadur. Oh, maybe he did mine this time. And he did you last week. He gave uh, you Wookiees. Well, potentially we have a species menagerie of the highest order. Yes. Yes, indeed. So we'll stop down for this real quick and be back on the other side and have more show for you today. Species menagerie, horn, tuscan fur. For boys and girls to see the fat raconteurs. Species menagerie, horn, tuscan fur. For boys and girls to see. This one's got moxie, kids. Welcome, Gamer Nation. I'm the Fat Raconteur, and this is the seventh episode of my Species Menagerie, where we bring species from around the galaxy and study them mercilessly for your gaming needs. Star Wars and its long legacy has always done one thing incredibly right, and that is cute and iconic small creatures, from Jawas to the Melissi, Squibs, Lerman, Chadrafan. You just want to pick them all up and squeeze them until juice squirts out of their eyes. But amongst our wee favorites, the Ewok stands king. If someone pointed a gun at me and said to sum up Ewoks in three words, I would pee myself, then probably blabber curious, sneaky, and courageous. Time Traveling Division has notified me that prior to the Battle of Endor, no one knew that Ewoks existed. So if you wish to play one before this, you can. As long as you have a reasonable excuse, such as slavers or wayward smugglers, it's doable, it's just no one in the galaxy will have a goddamn clue who or what you are. But to the numbers... Ewoks sport a plus two to dexterity and a minus two to strength, which means an Ewok can comfortably fit into any class. As for racial abilities, ignoring the restrictive primitive trait, Ewoks are pretty kick-ass. Stealth rerolls and free skill focus survival are great, but scent is my favorite of the lot, and these abilities make it a shoo-in for Scout. It's all there for you. Stealth, perception, survival, endurance, and Ewok is all these things in a bag of fur. And you'd be stupid to look past the Ewok feats in Rebellion Era campaign guide. They are just dripping in moxie. Being stealthy is something anyone can do, but an Ewok is sneaky, which means that they are stealthy either in an incredibly hilarious or adorable way that no other species can replicate, and to take advantage of that, our first build is the Pink Panther. Scout your Ewok up and focus up your stealth and arm him appropriately. Then look at the espionage talent tree on page 22 of Galaxy of Intrigue. Take stuff like Fade Out, which allows you to create a distraction using stealth rather than deception, and Reactive Stealth, which lets you attempt to become hidden when somebody misses you. This is 100% Ewok. Some aggravated stormtrooper trying to shoot an Ewok only to miss, and as the smoke dissipates, lose the Ewok completely from sight as he scuttles behind his knees. Remember, no one can fail a stealth check like an Ewok can. Sneaking down a corridor and then stepping into a bucket, which then stays on the Ewok without him knowing, is what makes the Ewok cinematic and adorable. Bolster the build with talents like Hidden Attacker from KOTOR or Ghost Assailant from Gaw. With your incredible stealth, you will sink in and out of sight, confusing and just plain bewildering your opponents. And when you fail your stealth checks, you do so in a way that would make Inspector Closeur proud. 
Scent is an equally iconic trait of the Ewoks, and the next build takes on the image of the brave little scout who demands to always go first for the safety of his friends. Scout up again, get your perception high and focused, and look into the spy talent tree on page 28 of The Force Unleashed. Taking surveillance, which uses a perception check against someone hidden or not, and if you succeed your party and yourself, get plus two to all attack rolls against them. Scent allows you to ignore cover and concealment penalties, making that check rather easy. Take other talents like Hidden Eyes and my favorite, Hunt the Hunter, allowing you to make an attack as a free action when you locate someone with a perception check. Every encounter you'll have your Ewok standing on a log and sniffing at opponents. Bolster this build with acute senses and keen shot. You have the eyes of a hawk and the heart of a lion being the vanguard of your party. The other thing to do, which really isn't a build but more of a hilarious idea, Give an Ewok a miniaturized Vibroax, juice up their stealth, and then give them the talent Seek and Destroy, which essentially allows them to charge an attacker without them noticing you until you hit them. The target won't know a thing until the Ewok is next to them screaming, Aye! I wish I could do this against my players, but they would probably let their PCs die before they shot an Ewok. Ewoks. They're cute and curious, but above all, they will take on any challenge they need to without hesitation. They're Ewoks. Well, that's it for today. If you have any requests, questions, comments, or flattery, please send it all in a PM to the Fat Raconteur on D20 Radio's forums. And until next time, as we say around here, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. Just don't be Gungan. Hi, you got yours. Thank you, Raconteur. Ha <laughs> Oh, lovely. <laughs> Marvelous. Isn't it fantastic? Yeah, great bit, as always, Raconteur. Thank yep. you. And now we do this. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tattoo Inn this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Uh... Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Watto's Bargain Basement, our semi-regular segment where we examine cool pieces of equipment from the Saga Edition universe. You know, earlier in the show, we did what's called a radio tease. Oh. You oh. know? Oh, in the I've, industry. I've, I've, known, I've, known, I've known some of those, some girls like that. Are you? No, we're talking about the industry term of a tease, where oh, we okay. say, listen up, because later this hour... We're giving away two tickets to that's right. Skinner. See? And that's a tease. And you'll notice that they do a tease and then they'll do something at, at the twenty or at the forty or at the fifty. And and the reason they do that is because the Arbitron ratings go on the quarter hour. And so they want to hold you over from ten to twenty. From twenty five to thirty five. They want to hold you over that gap so that Arbitron gives you a tick. Yeah. yeah. I'm learning. We don't have Arbitron on podcast, though. No, no, we don't, because that's a kind of a broadcast thing. You know, we're, we'll never yeah. be that. Never, never be that. But yeah, yeah, no, no. So uh, your, your wacky radio tease was about the pocket speeder. 
<laughs> the pocket speeder. I love it. <laughs> makes makes it think like you're gonna throw it out like uh, like a little briefcase, like uh, Iron Man. <laughs> Darn near. So I mean, like what? As as you say, off the top of the show, we talked about a Sterling um, put his brilliant mind to work this past week, giving us his interpretation of this this cool new piece of gear. Um, it's it's so cool, in fact, and we we like this interpretation so darn much that we're we're going to talk about it right now. Dave, talk to me about the Jedi Jump Bike because you know in 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 the the recent installment of that Mortis trilogy, like we said, we saw Anakin using this this wicked cool piece of tech, dude, which which the episode guide calls a a Jedi Jump Bike. The Jedi Jump Bike. Yep. yep. So literally, dude, this is like a collapsible speeder bike. The unit <clears throat> folded takes up a single square of space and it functions as a repulsor lift crate allowing for easy transport that's awesome yeah one of the more common dilemmas for player characters is how to transport vehicles from world to world you know will this fit on my ship how do i easily get it off the ship you know those are common questions yeah so this unit pretty much folds them into a nice little square <laughs> A single nice little square. Because when folded, as we said, it only occupies a single square. And it can be easily moved, stored, or stacked. And could even be put into the cargo hold of a starfighter. It's that, you know. At that, that size, it could. That, 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 that's what's really cool to me is, is that I can, I can be piloting a snub fighter and still keep one of these things, you know, in my hold for when I land. And we need to stop down at this point because Fat Raconteur just joined the chat for the first time probably ever. I think. No, he's been here before. Oh, has he? Yeah. Thank you, Fret Raconteur, for my Ewoks. Yeah, we just did your segment, dude. Like, you missed it oh, by, like... Oh, this is his first time. Well, It's just like the... We, he missed it by, like, a minute and a half. Not even. Oh. Well, it's too bad. Too bad. So, yeah, anyway. So, uh, we get back to uh, <clears throat> the fact that you can store it in the cargo hold of even a Starfighter, because it's just one square. And uh, with a swift action, you can deploy it, and it transforms into a large, which is a 2 by 2 no-frills speeder with 12-square land speed. Cool. See? You got a seat, foot plate, handlebars appear at the push of a button, and though it's designated for a single rider, it can seat two if you absolutely have to. And it might, you know, seat two at a pinch, but... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, exactly. So no weapons, no bows, no blades. Leave your weapons here. No internal storage space, basic systems, but, you know, it's a speeder, man. And it's 6,000 credits or 2,500 used. You know, it's a bargain. It really is for, for what you're getting. So For what you're getting, yeah. yeah. So head on over to www.sterlinghershey.com and pick one up today. Big thanks again to Sterling for this cool item. It's awesome. I want to throw these into my campaign so hard. Yup. So um, it's about time to uh, stop yet again for another long-standing segment of our beautiful shows. And um, and um, we will go on with fragments from the rim. And I'll uh, be right back. My lords, 
Welcome to Fragments from the Rim. What is thy bidding, my masters? Miss. Miss. Welcome to the 74th installment of Fragments from the Rim. I'm Darth Jim, and today I want to talk about something that came up recently in my Legacy Era game. Huh. Another miss. One of my PCs plays an Imperial Knight, and through most of his career he's had the block and deflect talents. He's 12th level now, and running around with a reflex defense of 31, thanks to the armor mastery talent, the Imperial Knight battle armor, and a fairly decent dexterity score. The player has actually found that block and deflect talents are now useless to him. Because if the attack roll does hit him, it's highly unlikely he'll be able to roll that number required to beat the attack roll with his use of the force check. It's a good thing he never took redirect shot, or he'd never use that talent at all. He would actually get a lot more mileage from his talents and a greater defensive benefit by replacing both talents with two selections of lightsaber defense, which is exactly what he did. This led me to ponder situations and character choices where having both a high defense and having block or deflect would be helpful. Several feats out there imply a penalty to your reflex defense, and still having block and deflect to fall back on could be a huge benefit. Desperate Gambit, Flurry, and Sniper Shot all come to mind. For Flurry and Sniper Shot, you're getting a plus 2 to your attack rolls with melee or ranged weapons respectively, but take a minus 5 penalty to your reflex defense. Desperate Gambit, covered by Alex and Trevor back in Fragments from the Rim 15, allows you to re-roll a failed attack roll at a minus 2 penalty to your reflex defense, or a minus 5 penalty to your reflex defense if you're re-rolling a natural 1. Charging itself imposes a minus 2 penalty to your defense, and there are several useful feats and a couple talents out there that help modify your charge attack. If you put all your effort into a charge, roll a 1, and decide to re-roll that with a desperate gambit, that 31 defense is now a 24. That's a reflex defense score that your average challenge level 10 opponent shouldn't have too much trouble hitting. You now have a situation where deflect and block can still protect you. So if you're rocking a high defense, and like to stack up flurry, critical strike, and improve rapid strike, and want to use desperate gambit to help make sure it all hits, you just might want to hold on to block and deflect, just for insurance. That's it for this installment. If you have any questions, drop me a PM on the D20 Radio forums. Until next time, Gamer Nation, 20 side up, 1 side down. You have been listening to Fragments from the Rim and Transmission. Nice. You know, Darth GM's in the uh, chat, and he actually picked up on my uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, just totally random quote. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So those of you that didn't get it, go back and listen about a minute, two and 3.2 gigawatts seconds minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, and you'll hear it too. So, you know what? I, you know what? I, I hate I hate you, Stream. Yeah. And I can hear myself. Is that just normal? You know? I mean, I don't know. Normal? I don't know. I can hear myself in my headphones, and that bothers me. I, I have a slight echo from you, but um, yeah, it's not sorry. bad, though. Uh, well, it makes it impossible for me. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> you know, you need to be using Firefox in Ustream. <clears throat> you know, so I'm just saying. It is what Firefox. it is. It is what it is. Or Chrome. Firefox. Firefox. Hmm. Or Chrome. Firefox. Or Chrome. Firefox. Yeah. Give me a map. Firefox. Firefox. Give me a map. Hey, bu- bu- that bu- little echo's gone. Yeah, I don't know why. I think because I opened up Firefox and kicked the supplementary uh, cookies are running an IE uh, 
out of the world. Nice. I don't know. Nice. Beautiful. Oh, the wonderful world of technology. So I, I interrupted you, and I, I must apologize for that. No, it's okay. I um, You were about to make a cool segue, no doubt. And I'm going to try and restart Ustream. Hopefully, I'm not going to get a crazy ad. Oh, hell. Here we go. If we do, then I will mute you almost immediately. Or, Look at that. No ad. Ha, ha. See? When I- oh, no. You've got to be kidding me. See? All of a sudden, that happens, and now I've got to mute you. So now I'm going to wait. See? Nope, still not there. Still not there. Still not there. Anyway, we're going to start this while you're dealing with your ad for servos and circuits. Servos and circuits. Oh, dear. Yeah, that was a D20 radio ad, by the way, that was playing in YouTube. <laughs> the chat, they're saying it's poetic justice. Yes. Yes. <sighs> the long-awaited HRD segment. Hmm. Well, Dude. we... Dude. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, what are we, what are we calling this particular servos and circuits segment sir we're calling it not the long-awaited hrd segment no we're calling it the he's more machine now than man Ooh. so today we're, we're going to come back to our much fan love servos and circuits segment where we we take a look at droids and, and all that comes with them now when this segment first began, we had a special request from Ray Ray Boxer, who was interested in cyborgs and cyborg hybrids. Ray Ray. Um, others echoed his call, um, and the Gamer Nation made it known this was a subject they w- were quite interested in. So today's chapter of servos and circuits will focus on organics what? struggling to be more like droids. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yes. Nice. We're going to get in-depth into advanced cybernetics and all the various options to make your character more droid-tastic. Expensive. Um, yeah. Now, originally, we, we, we had planned to also discuss replica droids in this segment, which was another request made by Elias Windrider. But in researching the show notes, uh, we revealed a, really a wealth of options for replicas that, when added to, to cybernetics, created a show that was just far too large for its britches. Yeah. So replica droids will have their day, and they will have their own servos and circuits segment. But that day is not today. But not yet. Not yet. I will yes. see you again, my friend. All right, go figure out that one, chat room. Where did that <laughs> That's obvious. From? Yeah, it kind of was. Well, today we will delve into the machine hybrids that populate the galaxy. Today we will explore the world of advanced cybernetic enhancements for those unsatisfied with conventional replacement parts, as well as troll the dark depths where total replacement cyborgs live. More machine now than man. Huh? So grab your Galaxy at War books, Gamer Nation. Go. Grab toolkits, your flowing dark capes, and your asthmatic breathing apparatus. Because it is time to talk cybernetics. Ah, uh, yes. So, you know, being the frequent traveler, if you guys read my blog at all. Ah, uh, that's d20radio.com slash Dave. yeah? Yeah, exactly. You guys know how much I really don't like the little thing that happens about an hour and ten minutes before my flight, typically. And that is when I take my shoes off. I don't act like a dog. 
and run all my stuff through this little box and then go through security. So this part well, will say well, TSA hates you. TSA hates you. Um, yes. Especially if you are uh, replete with cybernetic enhancements. Indeed, because you'll set off that metal detector something fierce. Something fierce. So, yeah. What is a cybernetic implant, dude? What, 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 what kind of role would they play in the Star Wars universe? And how do you get one? That's my that's question. Good, that's a good question. Um, I think it's important to start this discussion with what I like to call the paradox of the lost limb. Ah, yes, the lost sea scrolls. So, so Dave, you, you know, Star Wars is replete with instances of characters losing pieces of themselves. Yeah, it happens, especially with those those uh, energy swords. Yeah, yeah. You, you you mix energy swords that instantly sever and cauterize wound you know wounds with um along with an overabundance of easily concealable explosives, and people lose extremities all the fracking time in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, what, Anakin lost an arm in Episode 2? And, and then pretty, lo- pretty much lost everything else in Episode 3. Yeah. <laughs> Luke lost a hand in Episode 4. Um, yeah, and scores of well-known <clears throat> EU characters <throat> have lost body parts, but <clears throat> remain alive. <clears throat> yeah. Episode 5. What did I say? 4. Oh. I'm sorry. It's all right. Luke didn't lose anything in Episode 4, except no. his sense of innocence. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. And, you know, Anakin lost the same hand again in Episode 6. You're absolutely right. He did. He lost the... Was it the same hand? Are we sure? Well, it had wires sticking out of it when it got cut off. Well, yeah, but I don't know if it's the same hand he lost, like, in Episode 2, or if it's just one of the other hands he lost in Episode 3. I don't know. He lost a hand again. That's the point. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. You're right. You're correct. <laughs> In addition, there's a bunch of e- uh, you know well-known EU characters that have lost body parts but have remained alive. Um, Darth Malak, Rihanna Saren, Inquisitor Draco, Asherad Het, just to name a few. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the rub, Dave. Rub. Sadly... Saga Edition actually makes it very hard for you to lose a limb. Yeah, you kind of have to do Severing Strike, don't you? Pretty much. Per the rules as written, that's the only way to do it, aside from GM Fiat. You know, go up against a Jedi Knight who happens to have that talent. Um, As such, I'm a huge proponent of of house rules, such as the one we discussed in Suspending the Rules, Episode 126, that allow for easier loss of limb. Um. And I don't know, man. I think if you're a GM, I would encourage you to offer destruction of a limb when the time is appropriate, even if the rules, you know, don't specifically call it out because it's just too cool. It's too school for cool. It's too school for cool. What, what are you What are you going to say? It's just too. It's just too cool. It's just too cool. Yeah. So, okay, what happens when it happens, Dave? Talk to me about talk to me about basic cybernetic replacements. Ah, yes. Well, boys and girls, turn to the core rulebook, page 137. I'll wait while you locate your books now. You're opening, no. You're opening in your page. You're paging in your open. Dave, don't start until I get to page 137 now. All right. Hopefully you're there. Cybernetic prostheses are simple mechanical replacement parts for limbs or organs, and many are manufactured to look like the real thing, as we've seen in the movies. Yes, just like Luke's hand. Luke. 
All right, so they can be installed with someone with the cybernetic surgery feet and will take at least an hour, as well as the DC-20 treat injury check. Failure. Yeah, what happens if you, what happens if you fail? Well, you waste an hour, but you get to try again. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, think about it. it, it it's a cybernetic enhancement. You're not going to kill somebody. Um, it is ex- uh, it's very uh, expensive. Replacement prosthetics have a base cost of 1500 bucks, 1500 credits. Plus five hundred dollars per hour for surgery. Ugh. So, this is a cost for no frill cybernetics, right? Which are only designed to replace the use of a body part. That's important because the cost for surgery goes up. Not to mention the cost for the item goes up when you start talking about uh, some of the more advanced options out there. Yep. And any cybernetic prosthetic on your body imposes a cumulative minus one penalty to all use the force checks to a maximum of minus five. And will make you subject to ion damage. Yeah. That's... Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Ew. <laughs> Ew, I don't like it. Yes. So, so okay, those are, those are basic, basic cybernetics. We know them, we love them, we understand them. Right. Okay. But what happens if you go to the SEMA show? Uh... The SEMA show is Las Vegas, you know, all yeah, the aftermarket yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. And, and this is important because, as we all know, aftermarket modifications will void your warranty. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for some enterprising and technologically savvy souls, mere replacement of a limb is not enough. Heck, heck if, if I'm going to be installing a cybernetic arm onto me, why, you know me. Why would I not get something else out of that deal? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, hey, I'm happy to have my arm back. Okay, I'm, I'm happy. But by the same token... Um, uh, you know, I, I'm going to take the opportunity, the chance, um, and, and, you know, go ahead and have something else installed while I'm there. Like you a know, missile it, launcher. But yeah, something like that. Um, maybe, maybe, a, maybe a hidden compartment for a little, you know, not, not, not so, you know, a little, a little more subtle. Um, you know, or maybe, maybe use a simple blaster. Okay. Not necessarily a missile launcher, although that could happen. Yeah. Um, so, enhancing basic prosthetics, Dave, I mean, th- there's ways to do this. Now, we're going to be talking about some of the unique cybernetics options that are available. Specifically, we'll get into each one in a bit um, to, you know, install some crazy stuff that'll give you some cool things. But, you know, the average arm, like the one Luke had installed on him or Anakin with that skeletal golden job, you could modify those to do cool stuff, yeah? Yeah. So, I mean... This these basic prosthetic enhancements. I mean, what's really cool is that you can you can modify this out of the box stuff in in a couple of cool ways. Um, discussed on page forty eight of Galaxy at War. Basically, um, <laughs> what? Kalilia. <laughs> in the chat room, Kalilia says, "Install a pocket speeder." <laughs> Install a pocket speeder. It's like yes, yeah, do great legs. Yeah, they're speeders. <laughs> <laughs> I have 12 square of speed movement. I pony. I, I love it. I love it. Might be a bit ambitious when we, when we actually dig into the true modification rules. Um, so yeah. basically, your, your A prosthetic is just considered a piece of equipment in terms of scum and villainy's equipment modification rules. Um, a prosthetic, this is very important, is two size categories smaller than the being in which it's installed. So for your average medium-sized creature, the prosthetic is going to be a tiny object. Um, and that will have very important ramifications later on. Um, 
In addition, the each cybernetic prosthesis has one free upgrade slot. That's cool. But Dave, upgrade. you can only upgrade a prosthesis in a few limited ways. Oh. Let's talk about them. What is the first upgrade you can apply to a prosthesis? Uh, it would be a cloak. It hides oh. the fact that it's a prosthetic and imposes a minus five perception check to realize that it's mechanical. So Luke's hand. Yeah. Got it. Now so if you, you know, or Salura's Wookiee arm. Wookiee arm. Yep. You know, because obviously your character lost an arm yeah, and you had it replaced. But, but it's still furry. It's still furry. Makes it still it, looks like a Wookiee arm. It, it has the cloaked upgrade. Yes. We're cloaked. We're okay. cloaked. We're cloaked. So you can you can upgrade it to cloaked. Next thing you can upgrade it to dual gear. Oh, now we talking. No, yes. You can integrate a piece of equipment the same size or smaller into it. Now, this is where that size of tiny for most characters really comes into place because you can really only integrate a tiny size piece of equipment into it or smaller. Um, this is how we accomplish the crazy cool feats of technical wizardry. Um, dude, an arm that transforms into a gun or a vibroblade. What else? Um <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. I saw your furrowed brows on the webcam. I was like, what is he looking up online? Oh, dear. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what about a tech expert who's, who has an artificial hand that, that can, or arm that can transform uh, into a security kit or a toolkit so he's always got it with him? <sighs> Dual geared that way. I think the options are many, but it's important, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, man. I think it's important to work with the GM on how it will look, because I think it's possible that some dual gear options will prevent the prosthetic from ever looking normal. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, so, I believe so. Like the uh, speeder. <laughs> well, speeder aside. Um, I mean, let's say let's say you use like tech specials to add an extra slot to... Um, Put a jetpack on your legs. <laughs> oh, a vibro axe. I mean, like a vibro axe. Well, no, but look, like, okay, let, let's say you use tech specials to add an extra upgrade slot, okay? And you spend one of those slots on cloaked so that the thing looks like a normal arm or a normal hand. Yeah. And then you want to dual gear something into it. How? I mean, as a GM, would you allow that? Would you say, yeah, it looks like unbroken skin, but oh, yeah, all of a sudden it pieces pop out and you have a blaster pistol. I mean... Where, where do you, where would you where would you draw the line? I don't know. I'd have to I have to consider GM Fiat. Yeah. If it if it just didn't make sense, if it was if it didn't pass the sniff test with me, then uh, sorry. Mm. But it's an important thing to consider. Yeah, it is. Um. Okay. So that's dual gear. What's the next upgrade we can we can throw onto ah, a cybernetic prosthesis? We can do environmental sealing. Which is kind of a catch-all upgrade. It keeps the equipment working in extreme conditions like underwater or in a vacuum or buried in a mud or in a sand pit or, you know, and and I I don't know that, I don't know that you would ever really need this (laughs) because it would take a general asshat of a GM if he says, your cybernetic hand is now worthless because you've gone underwater. Yeah, that's... That's rarely a concern. I mean, for a serious simulationist gamer, I can see, oh, man, I need to get environmental shielding on this thing now, so it won't ever short out. But for, you know, your average Saga GM is very cinematic. No. That's a real douchey thing to do. Douchebag. 
So it, it's there. Yeah. Um, the next one I also feel is a useless upgrade. Um, really useless. Uh, extra power source. Um, th- this upgrade, um, in my opinion, is completely wasted on a cybernetic body part. What it does is it doubles the power capacity of an item. So, like, if I throw extra power source into a blaster pistol, I'll get 200 shots instead of 100 off my power pack. You feel me? You know? Yeah. Um, but since cybernetic parts function off of power sources that are mechanically limitless, similar to, you know, they don't need to, you don't need to recharge them, like, a, like similar to a vibro weapon or a lightsaber, you know, where they say, yeah, it has a power cell. Well, how long does that last? you know well it goes out eventually it's just you know we don't you know it, it's a it's a cinematic constraint you know what i mean yeah so what's the point no, no uh, point. you know i don't i don't yeah no i i don't i don't uh, i don't see the point in that no however i do see a point in this a secret compartment oh yeah <laughs> so it's a perfect little place to house a holdout blaster maybe a little credit chip oh yeah just oh, build yeah. a little secret compartment into your prosthetic yeah, I might actually allow this with even with a cloaked prosthetic, you know, because it, it it's a secret compartment. It's designed to be. Hidden. No, yeah, I would. Yeah, I totally, know. I totally allow that. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Um, and next, similar to secret compartment, we have storage capacity. Uh, this is this is another enhancement. It, it's similar to a secret compartment, but they're clear about the fact that it is patently visible. Um, what's the difference? Well, it's visible. You ha- everyone can know knows you have storage in your arm, and you can store more. Okay, you can store more, but everyone knows you can store stuff. Um, in yeah. my opinion, clearly that option, that upgrade, should rule out any attempt for the prosthetic to look normal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and you know, you can, you can store a lot more. You know, the, the, all these upgrades are great, man. I just hate the fact that I'm taking ion damage. I hate it. Oh. well, Dave, I think there's a solution to your problem. Really? Brand new upgrade option. Right there on page 50 of Galaxy of War. Oh. Ion shielding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh, gosh. Are you reading chat and laughing? <laughs> yes. Old school. If you were a large cyber creature, could you hide a small creature <laughs> in the secret compartment? <laughs> <laughs> I know Smuggler's Paradise with the whole would you like to consume sandwiches from my, from my compartment? compartment? <laughs> oh, oh, the six million credit Ewok starring Wicked Majors. That might be a show title right there. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. Oh, I love the chat room, these guys. Oh, all 41 of you in there. Thank you. The Go Go Ronco Pocket Ewok Explorer. Um, I love it. So, oh, oh dude, wow. ion shielding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you're immune to ion damage if you have all your cybernetic uh, stuff uh, shielded, right? Yeah, that's perfect. You know, again, every every piece of cybernetics you have has to have ion shielding. But if you you give the cybernetic enhancement, the ion shielding upgrade, it it will not subject you to ion damage. Way so, to go, Oop Grade. Fantastic. Largo. That removes one of the major downsides to being uh, a cybernetically enhanced person. Yes. So. Wahoo. All right, so what about okay. unique stuff, man? All right, let's, let's get to neat stuff. We, we've talked about the aftermarket modifications to, to existing cybernetics, and frankly, some of the cooler options are there, mostly, as we said, in cloaked, dual gear, secret compartment, storage capacity, ion shielding. You can do a lot. Just dual gear alone can turn you into a really wicked character. But All I right. want more. More. Give me more. 
All right. Well, hey, hey you're, I'm with you. After all, you've you got the power of technology at your disposal. You know, droids are physically superior to organics in many ways. And you know what? May, let's, let's say that fact uh, riles you. Let's say it upsets you. Let's say it pisses you off. Mm. Well, your solution is a unique cybernetic implant. There's a handful of unique cybernetic implant options, which are presented in Galaxy at War, starting on page 49, that give you more than just replacement functionality. Ah, yes. They give you true enhanced ability. Metallic um, badassery. Yes. And this is, you know, it's, it's important to note here, this ability is not without risk, okay? Um, these, these unique cybernetics, they're, they're, they talk about this in the book. They're on the fringes of technology, Okay. Standard cybernetic enhancements, they've been quote-unquote perfected, for lack of a better term. They're easily installed. There's no side effects. For millennia now, the Galaxy has used them, and, and we, we got them down. We got them down pat. But these, these unique cybernetics, these enhanced ones, where they're, we're adding whole new non-standard functions, this is new technology. And as such, it is prone to failure, and it is prone to rejection. Uh-huh. So t- talk to me about this, man. Talk to me about cybernetic rejection and, uh-huh. and what this means a new mechanic, dude. Mm-hmm. Introduced again in Galaxy War. Does not affect any standard cybernetic replacements, but will affect any unique cybernetics installed in your body. So, how does it work? When a unique cybernetic is installed successfully, it makes an attack roll against your fortitude defense. Ooh. Kind of like a replaced organ. Each unique cybernetic has a rejection modifier it adds to its attack roll, from a plus 3 to a plus 16 for complex and dangerous <laughs> Borg stuff, right? Oh, yeah. So if the attack roll is successful, the unique cybernetic fails to function and the character gains a persistent step down the condition track until they get surgery to replace it with a standard one. Furthermore, no additional attempts may be made to install a unique cybernetic for that body part. Sorry. Game over. Dude. That's harsh. That's harsh. So if I try to install a Borg implant and it fails and it's rejected, that's it. I don't get another chance. I cannot have one. Yeah. That is harsh, man. Pretty much. All right, Kalilia just had the episode title. You get bionics in my meat bag. Nice. You got you got bionics in my meat bag. Yep. Love it. That's 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 good. All right, leader that's leader in the clubhouse. You guys keep working on it. <laughs> All right, so uh, okay, so we we talked about rejection. What about unique options? So what are they? Mm, good question. There there are a few of them, and and we're going to to talk about each one. Um, the first one, Borg construct. We we talked about this a few episodes ago. Um, I am Lucutus of Borg. Well, okay. I would like to point out, as it was pointed <laughs> out to me after the show, that. Basically, cyborgs in Star Wars are often referred to as Borgs, okay? Um, Hence the name of this dandy cybernetic implant. Um, The reference of the word Borg in Star Wars canon predates... uh, Oh, yes, very much so. The Borg episodes of Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Very much Uh, so. Therefore, you know, this word is unique to Star Wars originally, guys. I'm just saying... Clearly, clearly the Star Trek designers had a lack of imagination when it came to their naming conventions. Nice. Just throwing that out there. Nice. All right, so board construct. Um, amazingly cool. It basically, I mean, we talked about this. It allows you to link into computers remotely with your brain and read data cards and the like with your brain. 
Um, the most infamous Star Wars example of this is the Lobot, uh, Lando Calrissian's servant, um, who made extensive use of this implant. He had that crazy headphone-looking thing on his head. That, that's a Borg construct. Um, but with a freakish cost of 80,000 credits for the unit and 70,000 credits for the surgery and a rejection modifier of plus 14 <laughs> is what it's going to get to attack your fortitude defense. This is honestly out of range for all but the wealthiest and hardiest of characters. Hmm. So it's a really cool option. Just don't screw it up. Yeah. Just saying. Mm. Okay, that's Borg Construct. Yep. What's next? Next is a subcutaneous comlink. So this is awesome, dude. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. A comlink. Yes. Under my skin. Yes. And it's always on. Yes. Brilliant. Inexpensive with a low rejection modifier. More brilliant. Priceless. <laughs> Love it. Love it. They even talk about it in the in the text how like you can if you have this thing, you can speak into it and communicate in a in a manner that other people will not hear you speaking. Dude, that's even cooler. Yeah. Dude, yeah. who 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 would not get use out of that? I don't know. I can't think that's, of one. That's really cool. I like it. Of course, you'd be subject to ion damage. That might not be too happening. Mm, anyway. Yeah. We got some eyeball stuff. Oh, oh, there's several eyes. Um, the first being the infrared sensor eye. Creepy. Um, you know, we see, you know, the, the glowing red eye from a lot of characters in the EU. Yeah. And that's what this is. And basically, yeah, it's a replacement eye. It gives you dark vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's really nice. We, gee, I can buy dark vision. Okay. Um, it is a very cheap modification, considering, um, comparatively. Uh, but it does have a high rejection modifier, so be warned. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay, more eyeballs for you. Targeting eye. Again, have the, has a fairly high rejection modifier, but it gives you a literal heads-up display to help your combat prowess. That's awesome. See? I mean, all the benefits of a helmet package right there in a targeting eye. It's like a radical for your eyeball. It's perfect. Very cool. Very cool. Dude, so I, I like it. I would I would do that just personally. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you can give me an eye that'll give me a HUD. <laughs> yeah. Can I get RSS feeds on it? <laughs> <laughs> just have a little, you know, like a like a little, little digital clock in the upper right hand corner of my of my field division. That would be awesome. Takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Oh, that'd be great. Yep. Um, and lastly, for the eyes, we have the telescopic eye, which is just what it sounds like. <laughs> it comes out of your head. It can, yes. Um, uh, either, either, either it's like you just have the ability to focus to that level of degree to where it's like binoculars, or literally the eye can actually come out of your head. Um, this uh, cybernetic reduces basically. It's very simple. It reduces the range penalties that you suffer on perception checks. Um, from every 10 squares to every 20 squares. So, you know, when you're making a perception check, you suffer a penalty for every 10 squares of distance between you and the target. Now, you suffer penalties every 20 squares of distance. So, basically, it's like you have a pair of Electrobinox grafted to your head. Yeah. Very, very cool. And the, you know, the telescopic eye, it has a moderate rejection, uh, plus nine. But, again, it's very inexpensive, like 500 credits. Um, it is a few thousand for surgery, but, you know, all of them are at least a few thousand for surgery. Yeah. 
Next is the skeletal reinforcement. Ooh. But, uh, you know, before you get all excited, you're not going to be Wolverine. Aww. I want to be Wolverine. Yeah, sorry. It's also very expensive and very prone to rejection, and it only gives you a plus two to damage threshold. Uh, that, that, that's, 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 okay. that's okay. It's kind of meh. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of meh. I'm looking at the tables here. It's God, ten thousand credits, fifty thousand for surgery. Yeah, meh. Plus twelve to rejection. Ugh. Yeah, meh. Well, you are replacing your skeleton. Mm. Uh, next, sensory enhancements. Uh, it's kind of a sister to the telescoping eye. Um, the sensory enhancement cybernetic reduces by two the penalties to perceive any target with concealment or total concealment. Um, so, what's really cool is you know, okay, listen, the 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 infrared sensor eye, it, it, it's it's really neat um, and all that, but it, it gives you dark vision. That's pretty much it. That does not take care of all concealment or total concealment situations. Mm-hmm. There's right. still smoke. There's still rain. There, there's all kinds of stuff. This, it doesn't matter what the concealment <laughs> or total concealment is. It reduces those penalties by two, whether yep. it's low light whether it's smoke or, 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 or you know, fog or heavy rain or any other type of concealment the GM wants to throw at you. Yep. So, very, very handy. Very handy indeed. Lastly, one of the cooler ones that I think is out there, the tremor sensor. Oh. Yeah. Your uh, feet literally detect the movement of others, and you take no penalty perception check to notice targets that have concealment or total concealment, provided the target moves since its last turn. So that's kind of cool. Did, and it's it's inexpensive. It's four hundred credits. The surgery is only a few thousand, and it has a moderate plus seven rejection modifier. You're a walking seismograph. So, um, Fat Rankatork says, "All right, so I want to get one of these eyes. Can I put it in my cybernetic limb as an upgrade?" Ah, um, the the individual unique cybernetic is a cybernetic implant in its own right you can't install it in something else it has to go in the area of your body that ah, is appropriate you know okay. literally you you're replacing an eye with one of the eyes um you are replacing your feet with tremor sensors okay mm-hmm. you are replacing a piece of your brain with the board construct that's that's how it works there you go all right so okay well well cool so we've got some options out there yep so now, what's the dark what? side of all this, man? Uh, that's a good question. I like I like to call this segment I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> <laughs> of course you know the reference. Of course. Um Oh yes. Let's let's talk about the 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 extremeness of all this cybernetic coolness, the the total replacement cyborg. Let's 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 name names here. Who are we talking about for a total replacement cyborg? Darth What are some examples? Vader. Darth Vader. General Grievous, mm. um, the two most common that we know of. Um, Dirge in the cartoons could also be considered a total replacement cyborg, although he still has a fair amount of his own anatomy, but that's a different discussion. Um, Robocop. Robo- they, dude, it's Robocop. That's what it is. You're a total replacement cyborg. You know, literally, sometimes characters are damaged so completely and so utterly such as, you know, having all of your limbs removed and being submerged in boiling lava, that all that's left of you is a heart, a brain, and lungs. That's it. You got nothing else. Um, but we can keep that alive. We can rebuild you. We have we the technology. Stronger, better, faster. Indeed. We have the technology. Um, so, 
Talking about know, a minus their charisma. Uh, well, not per the rules, no, but one would imagine. Now, they do talk about this quite a bit in Galaxy at War. Um, I, I, think, I think, dude, this is what? It, it's creepy to do this, but it's effective. Um, becoming a total replacement cyborg, they're very clear, needs to be a life-altering event in every sense of the word. Your old life is over. A new one begins. Um, not only for your character, but also in how your character looks. They say you should look radically different. You should be completely unrecognizable. I mean, what, man? Vader? Grievous? After their injuries that led them to being total cyborgs, I mean, they took entirely new paths with new identities in their lives. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Anakin Skywalker is dead. I am now Darth Vader. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, also, I think it's important to understand, Dave, that true cyborgs like total replacement cyborgs, v- Vader and Grievous are real exceptions in terms of the fact that they are, are noted leaders. True cyborgs are hated and feared across the galaxy. They are considered monsters, abominations. Um, you will be the subject of ridicule, derision, and outright hatred from nearly everyone you encounter. Most systems have outlawed cyborgs. Um, and, you know, even the more lenient outer rim planets, they're just going to stare at you. Even if you're not, you know, illegal, they're not going to take too kindly to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is another role playing thing that point they bring up in the book, Dave. Okay, like, okay, your your primary character in all our our all you game, uh, Salura, has a serious issue with droids. Yeah, he hates them. Do you feel that prejudice would carry over to a cyborg? Maybe depends on how close they look like a droid. Mm. Well, if it's a total replacement cyborg. You may, like Vader, probably not, but Grievous, probably so. Probably so. Um, so, I mean, that's something seriously to consider. So talk to me, man, about becoming a total replacement cyborg. Dude, uh, how, how does it happen? So, this usually comes down to when you reach the moment of death for your character. Uh-huh. So instead of dying, you decide that you will spend a destiny point for your character which will keep you alive, or at least the basic parts of you alive, that you need to make a cyborg. So then, a couple things. You have to be transported somewhere else that's capable of performing all the surgery. And six consecutive cybernetic prostheses must be installed with appropriate checks and payment. And if any of the surgeries fail, you die. (laughs) God. It's very clear, like consecutive surgeries, right? I mean, like one after the other. So we're talking at least six hours of hardcore surgery. Right. Okay. Now, but if successful, you gain six prostheses and the special cyborg hybrid special quality, which is as a cyborg hybrid, you can use any kind of droid system. Except for a processor. Um, Yeah. Obviously, because you have a brain. Okay, dude, talk, talk to me. Talk to me about that, dude. That this is that that's incredible. You know, I, you know, we're, I know we're, we've we've talked about different pieces of droid gear over the years, but man, this that's hardcore. I can install any droid system I want. What jump servos, a translator mm-hmm. unit, yeah, a shield generator, yeah, a, a, a tool mount, uh, anything. So basically, I'm I'm a droid. The possibilities are endless. 
I'm a droid, but I have a brain instead of a processor. Go back to listen like episode 120 through 124 and then 127 or something. I, I don't remember which ones we did. All the servos and circuits. And then read the books. They're all. Man, there's just a bunch. That's, that's really cool. Um, now, as, as I was coming to the end of, of this particular show notes, you know, I, I, we like to do examples. You know what I mean? Examples. Examples, how you can use this. I had a really hard time with it. Um, there's about a million and a half things you can do. Um, it's hard to narrow down or find any awesome builds you can do with this stuff because really you can do just about anything with it. Um, yeah. You know, we felt it was important to really just lay out the options for you guys, let you think about it, and, and know what it can do for you. Um, I don't know, man. Coming out of this discussion, here, here's what sticks with me. I mean, obviously, total replacement cyborgs, it's a really big deal. You know, the fact that you, you're basically a droid for all intents and purposes. You can modify yourself. You can do stuff like that. But you can heal through treat injury instead of mechanics, which is a big deal. Um, that's really cool. But, man, the, the thing that excites me the most for character options would be using a standard cybernetic limb and dual gearing it. Yeah. That right there, I see so many options available for that. It's worth the price of admission right there. It is. Now I want to ask you a tough question, okay, from a hypothetical GM standpoint. How would you feel about a character who didn't lose a limb in combat but intentionally wanted to remove a limb and replace it with a cybernetic enhancement? I don't... I mean, it was smack of power gaming. If it's obviously done for a singular intent, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Don't really have a problem with it. I don't know. I'm I'm a little torn yeah, by it, and yeah. and you're going to have players that want to do this, right? But the Star Wars universe is very clear about the fact that you know, rarely I, I've never found a character that intentionally removed their yeah. eye or their arm or their foot in order to replace it with cybernetics. It was always one of those things that you know, hanging on to that organic nature is very precious to an organic being right and it was always these modifications are always done as the result of losing that part of yourself it, it's a necessity but wait you know what while i'm doing it i'm going to take advantage of this cool stuff um uh, maybe this stems from the whole differentiation between droids and organics in star wars and how droids are really viewed as a second class and organics you know consider themselves being better because they're organic and they have those options and maybe that you know underlying social and mental framework that the galaxy seems to have keeps people from wanting to make that conscious choice to droidify themselves. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting quandary. I think, I think if you wanted, you or one of my players wanted to do it, you'd have to have a darn good reason from a role-playing perspective for me to allow you to, yeah. to, to Yeah, I would agree. I would tend to agree. Mm. Well, that is cybernetics, folks. Mm. I hope our discussion was educational and informative. And informative. Thank you for the show suggestion. We want to hear more. We've got lots in the wings, but I love getting one-offs, things we've never talked about before. We've had a few suggestions out there. Um, I know Fat Rack and Tour had made a request recently for us to discuss uh, building bases and battle stations um, from Galaxy at War, a few other things. But we want to hear what you guys want us to talk about. Get to the forums, d20radio.com slash forums. Email us, gmchris, gmdave at d20radio.com. Call the Lusa line. 206-600-5872. Lusa! 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 
And send some bumpers while you're at it. Give us some liners. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. We're anxious to hear. Yep. Twitter. He's GM Chris. I'm GM Dave. That's right. Yeah. And Twitter of me. course, throw an iTunes review if you so are moved. And we hope that you are. That's right. <laughs> indeed. 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 Well, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Uh, this is GM Chris wishing you a peace, a love, and good gaming. And this is Dave saying, keep them dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Post show. Yes, the fat raconteur being a chat member, a chat room virgin, (laughs) is asking us to be gentle on his first time. Ah, yes, indeed, post-show. You know, the funny thing about post-show now is the fact that we don't do it every time, so it's one of these where the, the people in the chat room are like, are we going to do post? Are we going to do post? And they're like, yay, when the music <laughs> fires. You know, all of a sudden they hear Sam, post show? <laughs> yes, this, this, this wall of text starts flying up in the chat room. Everyone goes, yay! Uh-huh, yeah. And the post show's happy. I mean, the post show. The chat room's happy because frequently they, they drive our discussion, you know, and kind of other stuff and stuff, you know. It's a highly interactive means of communication. It is. It is. So... <laughs> I am still fielding uh, belated birthdays, and thank you very much for all the Gamer Nation people. And uh, we didn't get a chance really to talk about what we were going to talk about. We ran out of time last time. Yeah. Was the uh, little pseudo ice fiesta that we had here in Dallas that canceled our little mini con. D20 Radio mini con go boom. Yeah, it did. But we had a few people over at La Casa de Dave. Only those who are extremely local, and we could. Yeah, we we talk, we, we really man. So D- Dave and I had a good phone conversation about this gamer nation, and the bottom line is, we we had communications from people that were driving from nearby states, several hundred miles, to come down for the event. Um, I know Ray Brewer was going to come down. Uh, we had a few other people in Oklahoma. Um, we had one person that was even going to drive down from Kansas. Um, one worth just, it. <sighs> just one worth it. 
it wasn't worth it. We did, we did not want to dangle the carrot in front of you and force you guys to to make that treacherous trek right. because the roads were really dangerous and it was really bad. Yeah. And you know we talked to the, we talked to the guys at Reaper that were putting it on for us and they were just like, look, we we don't want people coming here either. I mean, right? Because the Reaper facility it's in Denton, Texas, and where it is, it, you have to take actually some back roads, some country roads to get there, and, and it's all curvy they, they and were, yeah. They were extremely treacherous. And now so, here's here's all mad props to Brian. Yeah. He said, "Dude, we are willing to put a skeleton cool crew in there." Yeah, he did. He he was he was told he was like, "It's treacherous, but if you guys want to do this, we'll get some people there for you." And it was like, "Oh, dude, you guys rock!" But no, we're just we not just, gonna. Do it. Yeah. it wasn't it, it, it wasn't right, so we couldn't do it. Um, yeah, which blows. But we we had we had um, old school and his flatmate Ian were in town, um, which was epic. It was, dude. That's so much fun. I got a Scottish national team jersey out of the deal. Uh, it looks cool, too. Yeah. Have <laughs> you yeah. tried it on yet? Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little snug as soccer jerseys tend to be, but yeah. So it shows off your man boobs? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But, you know, I'm working on them now. That's given me, uh, well, aside from trying to look good for my woman, I've decided I've, I've been working out every single day for the last 10 days now. Every day, I haven't missed a day. Uh, yep. Pretty soon, you're going to be this manscaped god, this Adonis. Hey, this man. This statuesque Apollo of gamedom. I've lost six pounds, and my pants are all fitting a little bit looser, and everything that used to be like really kind of show the flat tire there is not as showing of the flat tire. So nice. at least it's starting to... You know, 10 days, and I noticed just a little bit, but not, you know. Very nice. Yeah. So by the time Gen Con comes, <laughs> by the time Gen Con comes, my goal is to pick up as many babes as Chris Bradshaw. Your wife might have something to say about that. Oh, yeah. My goal is not to pick up anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'm so excited about Gen Con. You're going. I'm going. TG's going. Baby Jane is going. Kat's going. Bradshaw's going. Dom's going. Cyril and uh, and and uh, and Kalilia are going. It's going to be utterly epic. That's right. It will be utterly epic. And we're going to have announcements as we get closer to the con, but D20 Radio will be registering two events for Gen Con, for those of you who are going. So... It's it's all good. Two it's, events. It's 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 all it's all good. Hey, I I think um, I I don't know. I I I think I might have, I think I might have something here unusual. Hmm. It's so unusual to get something by everyone. You know, there's there's a there's a uh, there's a thing. There's a rumor out there that there's this vampire guy that. Just randomly appears on podcasts. Although That's a ballsy rumor, I don't know. Doesn't make any damn sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> are, are you guys live? Are we live right now? Yeah, yeah dude. We're in post show. We are absolutely. Oh, that's live. awesome. We're <laughs> What's up, gentlemen? How you doing, Mister Whitwer? Very well, very well. Just waking up, and uh, yeah. So I don't know really what's going on. This is awesome. I just woke up, crawled into the living room, and and you guys called. So like this is you're getting unedited connection with my subconscious. It's awesome. It's exciting. 
See, you that's, need to ask yes. detailing the, and revealed questions. That's I the can cybernetic the implant. To TMZ right later. That's precisely <laughs> it. Hey, how was the uh, how was the show? What was the show about? Uh, uh, cybernetics. Adva- oh, yeah. Advanced cybernetics and total replacement cyborgs. You need to be careful with that because that will limit your ability to use the force. It 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 shall yes, it shall. Yeah. And that is unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. You know, but uh, awesome gentlemen, how's it going? Oh, it's great, dude. We uh, this is this is a truly this is a truly a monumental uh, post show surprise. Oh, excellent. Excellent. What what has been the latest? I've been uh, downloading the the latest episodes and starting to catch up, um, and and stuff. How oh, how oh. is your child, Chris? She's she's great. She's ill right now. She's a little sick. Um, we've had to get her actually on uh, on a nebulizer and some breathing treatments, which she hates. Um, but she's she's on the upswing. It's just you know yeah she's 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 a little under the weather. So sick baby, sad. Mm. Hurts my yeah. heart. Hurts my heart to hear her cry, but no, she's she's great, man. She's really good. That's good. So uh, you can't see you can't see the chat room right now, but yeah. it's like there's like forty people in the chat, and every single one of them are like, "Dude, the Witwinator being human rocks. Yeah. You rock. <laughs> being human is awesome. <laughs> awesome. I'm I'm glad people are are enjoying it. We, I dude, I I'm just happy that we didn't really get the backlash that I was expecting because I was like, yeah, you know, whenever you whenever you do something like, you know, like Battlestar got, you know, that it was a remake, you know, I thought that I thought that we were just gonna get hammered because people were really sharpening their claws. But once we've aired, um for the most part, people have have uh been very kind to us. So that's I'm really happy about that. Well okay, so th- this um two weeks ago, um it was it was it was Super Bowl week, um and also Dave's birthday. Um Old Happy birthday! Oh yeah, thank you. Um, old school, one of the hosts of one of our podcasts, and uh, uh, his flatmate Ian, who both live in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, they actually flew into town for the Super Bowl because they're huge NFL fanatics. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, and we got to hang with them and game with them for like a week. And um, uh, he 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 gave me the best reasoning for for what you just said that I've heard. He said, you know, because he, obviously he's British and he he's watched Being Human over there. And I intentionally have not watched the British show because I didn't want my perceptions colored. Yep. Um, right. And and he said, you know, having seen them both, he says you can't compare them. They're they're radically different animals. They're different shows. The British version is almost this sort of, you know, dark, very humorous pseudo comedy about students. And this is this is a, a real a real departure that you know it's funny, but it's it's also drama. It's you know it's it, it's a totally different show. And you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the, he said, he said that it, it, it's phenomenal in that regard. It's so. true, dude. And well, I, you know, that's yeah, I've heard that a lot. That, that that's pretty much our <laughs> the, the saving grace of the situation is that they're different. I've only seen one episode of the British series, so I don't really have a very clear understanding. Anyway, Dave, you were going to say something? No, it's just I. This is one of those things that actually I watch, and you know, I'm involved in a lot of consultative work in the banking industry. Well, there's a couple of there's a few people at each of my locations now that watch the show. And cool. um, uh, one of them is, uh, one, totally in love with you, but um, that's beside the point. She's also a big fan of the British version. And she, when I, when I asked her, she, was, she had a very hard time articulating why she liked the American version better than the British version. She just knew that she did. 
and she said it's probably because it's just a departure in the in the very way that the that the show is is presented and but she really couldn't put a finger on exactly why and likewise the people who said well I like the British version better why well I don't know they can't they can't they can't give you a good reason I think it's just nostalgia or whatever because they were you know they watched the first one first and it's you know in some in some people's minds a remake is always just a remake right and course, they, yeah. they can't put it behind them. But uh, for the most part, I dude. Know, I think I know why the American version is better. Because it's got Sam. Uh-oh. Because it's got <laughs> Sam Whitworth. Of course. <laughs> you know, the, the good news is if, if they are so different, you know, it's, it's um, you know, because we were told that we were doing different stuff. We just, I, I didn't know the specifics. And, and for that reason, it was just like, well, good. Then, then the two shows can help each other um, because we, we really – felt i definitely felt like because i saw their first episode and i thought it was great and i felt well you know well aiden turner is doing a great job and they're all doing a great job and it's wonderfully original premise and guess what they're going to get viewers from from our very existence whether we fail or succeed yeah they're going to get a much wider uh audience than they ever would have gotten by themselves so that's really a win-win actually we had rob percy one of the creators of the British version on the set. And we, we discussed just that and, you know, and, and it made it, it made sense why Rob Percy and all those guys are for it. Cause for them, they have everything to gain and nothing to lose because even if we went out there and just sucked, um, it doesn't really affect what they're doing. But if we, if we really succeed, we make people interested in you know, the words being human. So, you know, and they would seek out the British version, which is also on iTunes. So that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. So yes. the, the question of the day out of the chat room is, are you going to go to Gen Con? Oh, God, I wish I could. Uh, when is that? Uh, uh, August 4th. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah, first weekend in August. Uh, no, I'll be shooting at that point. Bummer. So, yeah, I know. I know. Love to come to Gen Con. Are y'all, the, uh, um, what's that? Have y'all wrapped for the season? We have. We we shot thirteen episodes, and it was uh, exhausting to say the least. It was uh, probably the most easily the most exhausting gig that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I I I'm liking what I'm seeing in terms of the episodes. Four and five have been my the favorite favorites that I've seen so far. So and and I know that they really do just get better from there. The show gets funnier and sadder yeah. and much darker. Dude. So. Why are you dressed like a yeah. douche? <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, what, give me – someone send me the link to the, the chat room, by the way. Could you? I'm on it. Isn't it funny how I never I, – I always have – I'm not even looking anymore. I just have you guys send it to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it it's a douche move. Right? It's true. Well, you know, you know, it's just – you know, when you got the talent, you always have to take care of the talent. <laughs> did you get it sam um okay hold on for a second skype has changed it's a whole new yeah it, 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 yeah it's a yeah i've resisted you should see like a, a word bubble icon that allows you to open the chat yeah see i i, I yeah I, I just i have changed i have yeah. not changed i've heard so many bad things about new skype yeah i have old skype but you can do uh your conferencing ability for video conference. There's that. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? On this big computer, I don't have it. So on, on, on my laptop, I'll probably put it on there. But I need a webcam for my big computer. That's what I need. So I rely on these integrated Dude. ones out of my laptop. 
you should do it. Or an iPad. Yeah. They're, they're, Sorry, they're terrib- I don't know, Dave. They're terribly expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah, yeah. $19. Webcam technology yeah. is hard to come by these days. Yes, extremely, right? Heck, I bet I could, pl- I bet I could plug my, like, my digital SLR into my USB port and use it. I bet you I could. Do it. I bet I could, but, you know, hey, you do what you can do, and you go on about your business. So Sam, how was how was your holiday, dude? You got some gaming done, dude. We did. We um we save our Star Wars stuff for when we can do our big trip. Uh, to oh yeah. Italy. Then we do like you know, however, you know, forty six hours of gaming or whatever we do. Oh yeah. But what we ended up doing this. We started a uh, a fourth edition D and D game yes. um, for for just the holidays, and uh, and you know, it's the idea being, eh, we won't do a lot of prep, and we won't. It's just kind of we're just messing around, and uh, that game is definitely getting a lot, a lot more fun. Um, there's a lot of really cool things happening. I actually have found at this point I don't really, um, I don't really mind 4E anymore. I, I like it. I, I'm enjoying it. I I don't know that I like it as much as Star Wars, but but I I really dig uh, some of the things they have in that game, and um, you know, and it's just fun to to go back to to D and D and feel like you're an old school gamer a little bit. I what I really would like to do is do run a run an original edition D and D game. I really want to do that. Like D and D. Dude. We got a we got a podcast that'll uh that'll take you up on that, you know. Oh I know. I've listened. I've listened quite a bit. They uh that's a great podcast. And you know what Roll for Initiative? Yeah well like Roll for Initiative is like like or like original, like first edition AD and D. Then there's um, Save or Die, which is older than that. It's yeah. like the boxed editions. You know what I mean? Oh, oh really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're both they're both the uh, DM Vince, who I'm sure just had a nerdgasm right now. <laughs> no, it's it's a really awesome show. I I definitely would like to hear Save or Die as well. I'm I'm fascinated by all that that old stuff. I have a pretty damn big collection of it all in my closet. Nice. Yeah. What have you? How's a? How is your game been going, guys? Slowly. <laughs> you know we're getting we're getting it back. Uh, we just had our, our e- emails to get the group back in order. Yeah, we haven't we haven't played all you in a while. Um, many months. Uh, but Two weeks. We, we've I've had we've had some one offs. Um, gosh, I ran. Um, I was pleased to run a quick game for a, a buddy who was about to um, who's in the army, and he just he shipped off to Iraq at the first of the year. And so before he shipped off, he's like, dude, I, I really need a taste of Star Wars. I need something to tide me over for a year. <laughs> a year. Yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> you let me know when, and I will run a game for you, brother. Happy. Dude, that's cool. Hey, how was the, uh, how was the gaming with the, the boys from across the pond? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? You, what happened? You, you got your taste of Warhammer, didn't you? Yeah, I got to play some Warhammer RPG, some Warhammer Fantasy RPG for the first time. How was that? Um, it was great. It was. It reminded me of of original D anD D in terms right. of in terms of the setting, the tone, the mechanics, the the, the lethal nature of it. Um, it was. It was. It was a hoot. Um, what? Tell me about some of the mechanics and 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 also the lethal nature of it. Well, you 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 die easily. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's a percentile system, so it, it's a little unusual for people who are only familiar with D twenty. Um, everything you do, you roll a percentile dice, you know, your, you know, your, your D 100s as they call them, you know, the, the two D 10s. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say um, I, I have a um, like. Okay, I, I rolled up. Oh yeah, and all our characters, everything was rolled up randomly. Everything. Whoa. Every Whoa. every attribute, every your your their version of classes are called professions. Your profession was random. My hair color, my eye color, my name, everything, random rolls. Wow, is it that suggested that you do that? Yeah, because <laughs> it's realistic, um, and you get you get some choices, you know, that that allow you to, to so you're not end up with something that just doesn't work. But I ended up with a halfling soldier who um, uses a rifle. He uses an, an arquebus, you know, an old school, you know, flintlock, black powder musket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, wow. so his musket use was a 50. And so what I do is I want to attack somebody. I roll my percentile dice. If I roll under that 50, I hit him. Okay. So the higher your number in, in an ability, the you know the easier it is for you to do it, basically. Right. And most people like I'm serious, like at first level, or there's no there's not levels, but we started as basic characters. You know, okay. you usually only have like 25, 30, 35 in an ability. So you've only got what a 35 or less percent chance to hit someone with an attack. It's not easy, and it was very wow. very lethal. Um, uh, but it was it was fun. I mean, heck, my. My gun blew up in my face. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, really? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was like, okay, great. Um, you know, we transformed into sort of semi-mutant creatures almost. And, uh, um, you know, two of the party, myself and Brev, we ended up secretly turning on the others through some type of enthrallment and then worked the entire campaign against them secretly. It was, it was fun. It was epic. I loved it. So... It was a great job. A, a good GM really helped. Old school is phenomenal GM. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, you know, I, I actually got just out of, I guess, a old school fascination. I got the box set for the Gamma World 4E setting. Okay, dude. Now, I, I heard a review. Uh, Brian from Game On reviewed this on their last episode. Mm-hmm. And he's a huge fan of this. Yeah. What was yeah. your impression? Well, I haven't you know played it, but... Uh, but looking through it, I, I'm actually interested in possibly running a game. I mean, I'm, I'm like you guys. I'll, I'll collect the damn stuff even if I'm not going to play it because I just love reading through it and stuff like that. But I, this one, I'm looking at it going, God, I, this seems really cool. I never really knew what Gamma World was back in the day. I was aware of it. Yeah. And I think when, uh, when my buddy's older brother sold me all his D&D stuff, there were some Gamma World modules in there, but I never really looked at them. So I was like, "Oh, Gamma World, interesting." And I, I, I've been looking through it, and I'm, just, I'm definitely interested in it. And it's, and it's got one of those random character generation type things. Yep. I mean, it says, "Oh, you can pick your character if you want," but you're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the okay, the, the best part about Gamma World, the new version, in my opinion, um, is you know, you know, you said that fourth edition was growing on you, you know, mm-hmm. um. I, I, I have said from the beginning, even if you don't like it, you can't argue with the fact that it's a solid system. It's won awards. Okay. Um, it, it just, the system itself may not be your cup of tea. Um, some of the areas that 4th Edition fails for me, Gamma World fixed. Most notably, I, I think there was a holdover from 4th Edition that was kind of this 3rd Edition idea where every single rule and possible thing that you can do and, and are able to do in the universe and in the game is statted out and there's a rule for here you go, how, here's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. Um. And and it removed this whole original D and D, even second edition D and D 
GM ability to make rules and make judgment calls on the fly. It neutered the GM. Yeah, it neutered. Yeah, you're right because every everything, everything from every tiny little um, possibility. Which, by the way, you could—it's in the rule book, but you could actually look at it like, well, if you're designing adventures and you want to keep them consistent, here are all the rules for everything when you're when you're doing your prep. But what that turns into inevitably is, you know, there's a rule for something, so you have to kind of look it up um, mm-hmm. every time an occurrence takes place. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. then and then like if you if you try to fudge things or do GM fiat to make the games more interesting, your players can call you. No, that's not how that works. No, mm-hmm. no. You know you can reverse engineer the monsters, and it leads to metagaming. Um, mm-hmm. Well, fourth edition, in my opinion, kind of carried that idea over because it was such a staple of D and D play. Um, but Gamma World just snipped it out, and they say right in the beginning, "Look, there's a lot of things we don't cover how to do." It's up to the GM. The GM is the person who makes the call. The GM is the person who arbitrates how it's going to work in terms of how it makes sense to them. That's awesome. And yeah. <laughs> that, that is the greatest feature of Gamma World, in my opinion. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, you know, and I suppose you could run 4E like that, but you would just get players who are really angry at you. You, know, because you can run any game like that. You, you are. <laughs> you can always have players angry at you. That right, Dave? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Not really. Dave, how's your family? What's going on with them? Oh, uh, we're uh, actually. Uh, funny you should ask. We're getting ready. We just had a. Uh, we just had a new baby added to the family. Um, Whoa. I uh, had a niece born um, last Monday, and uh, we are scheduled to go over there for lunch here in just a few minutes. And so awesome. I'll be having to take my leave of you guys uh, here in like four seconds but uh Aww. yeah but it's great i mean it uh you know family life is good dude it's awesome. it's awesome where are you right now are you uh are you back I home or just, what's that are you back home or uh yeah you... finally I, I just got back from hawaii and uh boy, where i was rough. with the cast of being human boy that's, that's really rough man yeah it was it was terrible it was awful god the perils of show business i know yeah do they have yeah, you guys like doing promos and stuff and and uh, traveling and doing fan meetups and all that yet? I'd love to say that we were there uh, serving the show, but we weren't. Oh. We were there serving ourselves. Nice. That's hey. That's even yeah. better. That's even better. Yeah, it was fun though. We uh, we we ran around. It was what was fun was like we'd run into someone who would who knew the show and was excited by that, and he wouldn't see the rest of us. So he'd come up. You know, someone would come up to one of us and go, "Oh, I'm a big fan of being human and." Oh, that's so great, and keep up the good work. And if he had only looked over, he would have seen the entire cast, which, you know, <laughs> that happened a few times. Nice. Oh, man. So, yeah, but it's it, we, we had fun. We, we had a really good time. We we went boating, and we saw um, giant, we, we, ridiculously big whales um, that were right next, I mean, honestly, about 15 feet away from the boat, which is strictly speaking illegal. So that, look, that didn't happen, but it did. We were 15 <laughs> feet away from these giant whales that were surfacing. And I really, you know, I just really wish I had my harpoon, you know. And Oh, jeez. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dark side. Dark side again. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're nothing well, if not a you dark know, sider. You, you just don't want to, you understand that, Hey, you know, we were about to take one out, and we're like, you know, that's just going to create more work for Captain Kirk in the future, so let's just chill out. <laughs> Plus, you're going to piss off the people on Whale Wars. Whale yeah. Wars, that's right. Exactly. 
Oh, exactly. There's a we're war. gonna get we're gonna get hate mail from Peta now. We might. I mean, <clears throat> we might. I, I don't know, dude. I really don't know. But so now, let me ask you: Has your life changed? Are you getting more notoriety these days? Are you getting recognized more often? Uh, that's you know that's hard to say. I don't know because I I've been I've been doing a lot of traveling and just. I just, for whatever reason, have been out of town for various things. I don't really know why. Couldn't tell you. But I, um, I, other than that, when I'm home, I'm just, I'm just trying to relax in my apartment. And, uh, but what I do know is I'm doing press all the time. I'm constantly being interviewed for, uh, being human or, or the Clone Wars or, you know, stuff like that. And, and so I, I don't know what effect that has. I know that I've, I know, I mean, yeah, I guess I've, I've, when I've just been on the street getting food or something like that. Uh, there's a higher occurrence of people saying nice things, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, I'm just thrilled that people are watching the show. I mean, for the longest time, uh, you know, you work on something and you bust your ass, and you know, the only people who are giving you feedback back are the people that are working on it with you. So, to to get feedback from people who do not work on the show is tremendously thrilling. Oh yeah, dude, and and you know, I. You're a good enough friend to where if it if it wasn't good, I would probably tell you it wasn't good. I wouldn't. Oh, I know you. I know you. I, you know, and and I and I wouldn't watch it if it wasn't good. But I I like I like things that keep me intellectually engaged, and mm. and I I love the writing on the show. I think the uh, I think that your performances, not just you, but the cast in general, are are very good. Are just solid. You know. I mean. So yeah, it's a it's a permanent staple of you know I've been doing a lot of traveling and unfortunately sci-fi is nowhere to be seen on any of the Hilton properties that I usually stay at in Washington. I know that's so lame. I know. Man, well, you know, if you're missing it, uh, go to iTunes. They have uh, they have everything that we've aired. Well, um, and that's iTunes. that's that's what I've turned to iTunes, and I'll come home on Fridays and I'll and I'll hit the DVR. Also Hulu. Yeah. Hulu. 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 So, yeah. Um, we could do that all day. That was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, yeah, it's I. I uh, the iTunes has has HD versions of the episodes, which are really great to see. And uh, and there's something you know. Look, maybe this is just me, but it drives me crazy to uh, to see the episodes on on DVR. Like seeing it live is one thing, um, but so for some reason, maybe it's just my DVR. It seems to compress the sound, and that drives me nuts. No, oh, I bet it does. Uh, I, be, I, yeah, bet it, I bet it absolutely does to save space on the hard drive. Yeah, it definitely does. And so I'm watching on DVR, and it's like it's uh, the sound is, um, you know, the, the music is a lot louder because of the compression, and everything just seems kind of out of whack. Whereas I, when I watch it on uh, HD and iTunes, it, it's perfect. And also when I've seen it live, it's been, it's been perfect. So I think you're right. It's the DVR. Yep. No one is lame. Yep. No one will blame. Um, but yeah, I I really I really like the show. I, I really think it's it's quite good. And if you guys like it now, you're gonna love it uh, in a few weeks because we really kick it into gear um, later on in this season. Dude, we're, I, we're we're already ha- it seems so new, and we're already almost halfway through. I know, isn't that nuts? That's crazy, right? Yeah. 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 But it's uh some of the stuff that we end up doing later in the season is uh really out there um which I'm very happy about and and again I I'm not 
that aware of what the British series has done, but I know that on, on certain occasions, I'd ask, well, you know, has the British series done this plot line? Oh, yeah, we're doing uh, a riff on one of these things. Oh, how did they end it? And, and we, uh, we will take certain things that they've done and then kind of throw a twist in the ending or, uh, or really just slam it into the ground in terms of darkness uh, and stuff like that. So there's some really great stuff coming up. Cool. Smuggler's Paradise is in the chat. He says, you know, I rarely ever schedule myself to be in front of the TV for a show live, but for being human, I'm there every week. Awesome. That's great. See? <laughs> See? That's of course, really you, have a, you have a legion of supporters in the Gamer Nation, dude. You know that. <laughs> Entire legion of my best troops await them. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. Oh, so, hey, okay, look, look, I'm going to just, just ask you, what did you guys think of the... Uh, of the Mortis arc on the Clone Wars, dude. I I didn't get to see it. I'm I'm, I'm stupid. Watch it. I I I yeah. I I I spewed all over the TV. It was awesome. <laughs> 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 it was great. Although I have to say, when you were doing the voice acting, did they, did they tell you? Did they say, okay, we want you to take every dark side character in the Star Wars universe and take their voices and roll them up into one? <laughs> that came about. That was that was my call based on something that Dave Filoni said. Basically, in the first episode. Um, you can hear – well, in the first episode, I, I basically have a few lines because the character is introduced. Yeah. And in the second episode and third episode, he, he takes over. Um, but uh, So we were doing the first episode, and I was trying to find a voice for this character. And I knew I was playing the dark side of the force, so I was freaking out. And I was really worried that I was going to mess it up. And I, uh, I asked Dave Filoni, I said, hey, are, are, should we be concerned that this guy sounds too much like Starkiller, like the Force Unleashed character? And Dave Filoni goes, well, you know, Sam, because you are the dark side of the Force and you're, you know, Starkiller was connected to the dark side of the Force, it's okay if we hear a little bit, a little bit of him in there. So when he said that, I thought, well, interesting. If that's true, then you should hear all of them in his voice. You should hear little moments where he dips into Darth Maul or Darth Vader or Darth Sidious, the Emperor. Um, and so, and, and the lines made it easy. You know, if there was, you know, he does say, join me and together we can do something. So, you know, you could either say, join me and together, you know, blah, blah, and we could do this and that. Or you could say, join me and together we can, you know, and just go into the Darth Vader thing. Yeah. Um, so and the, and the Emperor stuff was, was obviously a little bit easy since I, I performed him for Force Unleashed. So that was, but again, the, the, the whole, the whole thing, when Dave Filoni realized what I was doing, he encouraged it. And, uh, and we were worried. Well, I was worried at first. I said, well, listen, you know, is it too referential? Is it too kitschy? And Hey, we're remember this and remember that. And we re- we decided no, because these, Episodes are kind of out of time. They're you know, sort of like a dream quest, vision quest type episode, and it's and really it's all of all six Star Wars movies rolled up into three episodes. Yeah, and the events are switched around, and there's a you know there's there's uh, calls to things that have happened and things that will happen in the future. So no, they they needed to sound exactly like that, and so that's what we did. And and even you know even to the the little creature that that tries to figure out Ahsoka and then ends up biting her and turning her into something evil. Yeah, the gargoyle-like, yeah. The, the little guy the, yeah. the, uh, in, the, in the prison cell, that was something that we were even very specific about the reference. Because I was, I, they were going to get another voice actor to do that, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to try it. And I was doing an okay job 
and Dave is listening to me and he's like, he's like, oh, that's interesting. I, you know what? I, I think I know where your instinct wants to take you. I think I know what you're going for. And I'm like, really, please. What am I going for? What's going on? He's like, you're, you're doing Yoda basically. I'm like, Oh, Oh, right. Because that's, that is what this character is doing. He's disguising himself to try to feel out whether he can pull Ahsoka away from Anakin by her own will. And if he can't, well, he's going to bite her and he's going to corrupt her. And, and that, that way, that method of corruption isn't going to last. Ahsoka is going to last maybe a few days and then die. But if you can get her to turn by her own, uh, by her own choice, then, then she will, uh, you know, she could be a long-term ally. Um, you know, and it's in, and, and, you know, of course it doesn't really work out that way and he just bites her and, and that's that. But, uh, you know, but it was a that was a fun character to to do as well. The uh, the little guy, little evil Yoda, <laughs> evil Yoda, evil evil Yoda. You got to check out my Facebook at some point in time. I'm I'm getting ready to change my profile picture to a Yoda wearing a Titleist cap. <laughs> Dude, cool. Yeah. Hey, Dave. Do you, do you not watch the Clone Wars? No, I really don't. And that's that's one of the shows that for some reason I just haven't made the priority to go set the DVR for. And actually, you know what? I'm lying. I do have that one on DVR. I just don't ever watch it, mm. and I don't you, know you why. You need to, dude. You need to. I, it's, you, it's, you just make make time to do it. Yeah, you know, I do. If you, if you can't catch it live, oh, it's understandable. But, <clears throat> dude, t- take the time. It's totally worthwhile, and you will add. I mean, dude, the, dude, the Clone Wars is your favorite era. Yeah, I know. I know, and I don't. I don't know why. I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and season season two was so good. Three, season three has been so incredible. I mean, dude, yeah. you got to you, you got to watch it, man. Yeah. I might go back see if it's on Netflix or something. Get the DVDs. Well, you should, yeah, you should do that, or uh, or you can also get them on iTunes. I know I keep pushing this iTunes thing. What's up with that? You know, yeah, throw a review into the Order sixty six podcast while you're out there. While you're on iTunes, yeah, but <laughs> totally, I'll totally do that. I'd <laughs> be happy to do that. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Hey, by the way, uh, I think the, the podcast is fantastic. Did the latest Clone Wars have Tar- uh, Tarkin in it? I haven't seen the latest. I'm hearing it did. Like the that Captain Tarkin appears uh, in the Clone Wars. Really? Yeah. Huh. I might have to look at that. Interesting. Oh, well, the chat room. Chat room's all did. saying yes, it did. So yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I hate to cut you guys short, but um, my wife's about to tear my head off. Ah, if I don't get out the door to my new baby niece that she's dying to see. That is bad. Do it. That is Do bad. It. it. Yep. Do it. So what are we, uh, well, I guess, I guess, well, we'll figure this out after we leave. What's what we're titling this show, but that's okay. Well, hey, oh, by yeah. the way, guys, let's let's do an episode coming up. Let me uh, maybe I can grab Chuck and we can. Uh, oh, dude, yeah, we've been uh, we've been thinking about that for quite a while to to have a re a re a a redo or a reboot of the uh, of the Chuck Sam show that never actually happened. We we had planned it and then it never happened. Ah, right. Let's let's go. Oh, we're douchebags. Well, let's plan on it. Deal. It, 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 it wouldn't. Here. No, it wasn't because you're a douchebag. You kind of got a. You kind of got this gig. Ah. Uh, you know, yes. it's kind of important, and yeah, it's it a, and it's a milestone in the uh, in the life and times of Samuel Starkiller. Whitwer. I was yeah. trying to make up a middle name that was going to be all nice and cool, but I couldn't do it. Tiberius. That was Tiberius. I mean, that was I like just danger. Epic failure. Danger is my middle epic name. Yeah, exactly. Samuel Danger Whitwer. <laughs> oh. So it was a Samuel Epic Failure Whitwer. 
Oh, sorry, I totally ran out of talent right there. <laughs> I like it. So. I like it. Hey, if you um, want, if, if you want, I'll, I'll leave this open, dude, and you guys can just ch- uh, chat through chat through here into the into the. Into oh, the so chat you'll, leave the, you'll leave the chat up. Cool. I'll leave the chat up and just let it go. I just got to cut the podcast off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good night, Gamer Nation. Yes, and good luck. Good luck. <laughs>